Welcome back to The Chosen Journey with Big Money Grip, Steve Carse and Jonathan, The Chosen Lawyer. Steve, I'm so excited about our next few weeks of tapings. You know, I went and got a haircut, shaved. I am jazzed, man. We are going to have some fun. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of good things going on in baseball, almost at the halfway point. Uh, how crazy is that? We talked about a quarter quarter pole here not too long ago, and, and now we're uh, coming up on the 81 game mark, and, you know, everything's kind of shaken out. Uh, a little bit differently than we thought at, at, in some divisions, but uh, in other divisions, uh, you know, we see what's going on. See, one of the things I was going to talk to you about over the next couple of weeks was the all-star voting. But what happened to me last night as I'm preparing for the taping is the LB Network in Canada started playing this strange classical music telling me that the content is not available for viewing in my region. And we hope to have you back online soon because they were talking about the All-Star game. So we're just not even going to go there. Let's talk about it when the All-Star game happens. There's so much else going on right now. But let's hit home first and foremost, because you, my friend, have been on a baseball odyssey recently with your son, Kingston. Yes, we have. Uh, you know, the family went up to Cooperstown and, uh, you know, just had a, uh, a tremendous time. You know, it's a 12U, 12U tournament. Uh, that the boys at 12 years old get to play if you, uh, you know, are able to, uh, you know, get there, you know, different parts of the regions, different teams. Uh, if you're, if you're able, you're fortunate enough to go and experience Cooperstown as a 12 year old, like, like our boys did on our team. Uh, it was an amazing experience and something that they will remember for a lifetime. Did you get to go to the museum? Did you guys have time? Did you get to do any sightseeing when you were there? Uh, yes, we did. Uh, we were able to go to the museum. We were able to uh, walk through the museum uh, the day before we left Cooperstown before going to Boston and watching the Yankees-Boston game. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, that came at the expense of us getting eliminated in the, in the tournament and in bracket play. But uh, overall, uh, the fields, uh, playing on the fields and the boys having fun. And then, you know, obviously – going a, a long way from Arizona to Cooperstown. They got to see the Hall of Fame and we got a, you know, just a couple special things where we got to sit down with, with one of the curators and he told us uh, about uh, the museum and baseball and had a special, few special items out there, of Ichiro's cleats and uh, Shohei Otani's, uh, you know, protective equipment and the boys were in awe of that. So it was a lot of fun to, to see them be so excited about the game. Having played pro ball, like for you to go to Cooperstown, do you have to wear like the Bobby Valentine style mustache and hat and go incognito? Or do you just go as is like, uh, do you worry about those kind of settings about getting spotted and having to start taking the pictures and stuff? Or do you get left alone for the most part? Uh, I get left alone for the most part. It, it really depends you know, who I run into, to be quite honest with you. If if I run into people who are from a certain region where I played, whether it be Oakland, New York, Cleveland, uh, those are the three. Um, you know, I'll get noticed on occasion, but, uh, you know, I, it's not one of those things where I'm too worried about it. You know, I just try to go about my business, you know, and if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, uh, it, it's all good, too. Steve Carsey cannot walk the streets of Akron, Ohio without having to stop for an autograph. Now, today's topic, you having experienced this with your son and with the kids, I thought today would be a good idea to send out a message to sports parents, but specifically baseball parents. 
on etiquette, on how to be a sports parent. And one of the things that, you know, always stuck to me as far as whatever sport it was, whether it was basketball, hockey, football, baseball, when a pro athlete came up, if I knew the name of their parent, I thought this is not a very good thing because it means they're too involved with it. You know, Vince Carter's mom coming in, Vince Carter's mom saying her opinions on TV was very common. I remember Eric Lindros hearing the stories of, of his parents, Carl and Bonnie, and how they would come on and speak their minds. I thought to myself, this is not a really good thing that they're doing for their kids. Maybe just let them play. But Steve, this doesn't start from the pros. This starts all the way back from literally when they come out of the womb and as soon as they can pick up a bat and a ball. And I can tell you, you know, I have very limited experience coaching. I remember doing it one season with my son, Jeremiah, and every single parent thought their kid was the best. They have to play one position, yelling at me, screaming at me, sending me nasty messages. I, I need to advocate. This is the only way my son's going to advance. Steve, is that the way to go about it? What's a good etiquette of do's and don'ts for baseball parents? I mean, there's so many uh, do's and don'ts, you know, I mean, uh, qualified coaches, let them coach, right? You know, you're there to enjoy the, enjoy the game, enjoy your son playing the game. Um, you know, obviously everybody, uh, including myself, we all think our kids are the best, right? But you have to be realistic uh, at some point. And, you know, not everybody's kid is the best. And that's just the, the truth of it, you know, it, and it's a team, right? So people are going to struggle. Kids are going to struggle pitching, hitting, like it's not going to be all, uh, you know, the easy road, so to speak. So I, I just think for parents, you know, uh, to sit back and enjoy watching their kids play the game that they love or that they should love, let them, learn from people who have experience in the game. Uh, and I just try to equate it to any parent. It doesn't matter, you know, male, female, whoever. Uh, if your expertise is in whatever field that is, I'm not coming to your work, sitting down at your desk and telling you how to write a program for, you know, whatever uh, particular line of work you're in. And it's the same thing, you know, on the baseball field, you know, I feel like I have a pretty good handle and I can evaluate uh, players, well, from the big leagues all the way down to, to youth baseball on at least right now where they should be playing, what their arm strength is, how they handle the game, what their baseball IQ is at this young uh, maturation age uh, of 12 going on 13 because everybody develops at a different rate you can't rush puberty and you can't rush the size of what your kid is some boys are just bigger and stronger at 12 or 13 years old than some of the other boys and there's nothing wrong with that it's just a matter of putting your son in the best position which whatever level competition he should be playing and the parents not having an ego of what position they should be playing or what level of baseball caliber they should be playing uh, you know, leave that up to the experienced coaches and people who have done this for a very long time and just put your son in the best position to succeed. Because as you said, you know, you're not doing any favors to them. It's not about the parent. It's about the kid, um, you know, and you want them to love the game and go as far as they want to go in this game. And, and the best way to do that is to sit back enjoy what they do and take in 
the the special moments uh, that you know come along with the ride uh, as we did in Cooperstown. Because, like I said, you know, we won the games we were supposed to win in Cooperstown. We probably lost the game, but it was an eye opener for the boys to understand uh, after getting out of Arizona in their little bubble that this is kind of what the competition is around the country at their age level and you know, how hard they're going to need to work to continue to progress and, and get where they want to get to. You know, one of the moments I always recall in the world of baseball, I would say, mm-hmm. and this one was a funnier moment, was, I don't know if you recall this or not, Joe Girardi was the manager of the Marlins at one point, right? And I believe was mm-hmm. manager of the year. And Jeffrey Loria was the owner at the time. Joe did not appreciate uh, Mr. Loria's uh, feedback during the game as he was chirping him from the uh, field. And Joe picks his hat out from the dugout and told him to bleep off and uh, let me do my job. And we, you have no place to he- to say anything at this point. Now, this is an owner who owns a team and is giving his feedback. That setting, I think, would have been more appropriate behind closed doors. If he had anything to say, pull Joe afterwards to his office. Let's have a talk about it. No different than parents when they're giving their feedback when the kids are on the field. And the one thing, Steve, which always hurt me as a parent watching this is when a parent is chirping from the, the stands and the kid is watching this and is embarrassed and wants to crawl into a hole at this point. And the parents don't realize how much pressure they're putting on their kids and the feedback is not helping. It's the kind of thing, let the coaches do that. And if you have an issue with the coach, do it behind closed door. Why do you think some parents have this need to coach from the stands? It's just what they do. It's kind of how they've always done it. And when they get into a situation, they just can't help themselves. Uh, you know, whether it's giving advice before a kid goes up to, to hit, uh, whether it's yelling at him to swing at certain pitches, uh, as you said, it puts more pressure on the kid. And, and I've been at fault too. You know, obviously I coach and I coach uh, Kingston and he's on the team. And as much as I am a coach trying to help him, it still is a burden at times when I'm trying to give him direction because he feels the pressure of doing it. So I've tried to learn how to back off a little bit when he's in the batter's box and just give him certain cues of, hey, stay in the middle of the field or try to drive the ball to right center field or whatever that may be, instead of, you know, kind of trying to direct him what to swing at, what to not swing at. And I need to, not only me, but other coaches and parents, they need to let the boys learn how to succeed and fail on their own because it's not only going to help them in the baseball world, it's going to help them in real life. And there's a lot of baseball life lessons that people learn that are going at some point to take into their natural life and when they go to school and then when they get out of school and go to work, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, the competition, the leadership roles, uh, many different roles that these boys are going to learn that's going to help them uh, in, in their natural life as, as they get out of baseball. Because at, at some point, a majority of baseball players at this youth age are, are going to uh, stop playing the game, you know, for whatever reason, whether they don't like it, whether, you know, they're not talented enough. Uh, it's only a select few that continue to get to move on. And uh, as you move on, that, that number keeps dwindling as you get to the big leagues. And, uh, you know, my goal for our team is to prepare these young men uh, going into teenage years for the high school level and give them the best opportunity to make their high school team and let their high school coaches coach them 
and then you know whatever happens after that happens after that and uh, you know obviously nobody can uh predict the future or see the future in in what any of these boys are going to do from 12 years old to to 18 you know you know that some boys are a little bit more special than others obviously the bryce harpers right when he was 12 he was about the size of a man you know being a man child and he was just smashing balls but you know there, there's very few and very few limited uh boys that you can kind of say hey he's on the direct path to here uh at 12 years old because you just don't know uh again like i said you know the maturation level of boys are very different you take 10 boys who are at 12 years old and they're all in different spots uh you know weight height uh maturity level with their baseball iq um uh, you know so that's that's just uh you know the the natural uh course of of what of what they're doing and where they're going to go and the frustration point i think for leagues for players is that it is so hard to get volunteers and when you get volunteers to get qualified volunteers you and i've talked about this off camera before yeah. that as far as the level of coaching goes you got people that maybe have very good intentions maybe they pitched in high school maybe they pitched a little bit in college or independent but they don't have the real grasp of the fundamentals. And so if you don't have the grasp of the fundamentals, how are you going to teach that to somebody else? So just getting somebody to show up and put in consistent work and then be able to teach it properly. And then I don't think as well, you know, parents realize as far as, you know, scheduling practices, games, equipment, there's so much logistics that go on in the background. And when you're a volunteer not getting paid for it, it gets frustrating. I think when you're putting in the time, you're putting the energy and you get no love for it. Like it feels like you're literally crapped on all the time, and it, it it shouldn't be like that. And I think that's why a lot of people just do it for a year or two and say, "Screw this, I'm not going to do it." But ultimately, we're doing it for our kids. You know, we we do it because we want to see them grow and thrive, like you said. Uh, it would just be nice if people from the outside, you know, it's it, not to select when they're going to volunteer when they're not. Either you're in it or you're not. You know, either you're going to come and watch or you're going to be in it. You can't do both. Well, the youth game has changed so much from the time that uh, both of us have grown up and uh, have played the game and, and have loved the game. Uh, you know, nowadays, uh, and I had this conversation not too long ago with somebody, is the travel baseball world is, is, is really, you know, gotten out of hand and gotten a little bit crazy. Every, every parent thinks their boy is going to get a scholarship uh, tomorrow, uh, and every tournament means something. Uh, you know, I just like to be like, hey, there's an alert here. Like, nobody really cares how well your son does between the ages of 8U and 14U. No scout, no coach is going to come back and say, how did you hit when you were 12 years old? It makes no difference. It's developing them and getting them in the proper thing. And, you know, with the youth sports, um, it's different. It's a moneymaker now. Uh, there's youth sports where these teams, they're travel teams and parents are paying 250 to $300 a month just to be with an organization, to be on a team and play. So if you take, you know, 300 bucks times that by 12 kids, you know, you're, you're looking at 3,600 bucks, you times that by three teams, you know, now that's $10,000 a month that teams are making. And that's only if they have three teams, if they have nine or 12 teams, uh, you know, they put teams together and uh, it can be a, a, a real cluster at times. And, and the biggest thing with the parents is yelling at the umpires. Like, you know, these umpires are, are, are definitely not major league baseball caliber umpires. They're out there. They love the game. They do it. They don't know all the rules. 
And just they have to have a little bit of patience because, you know, not every kid is going to be around the plate and be able to throw uh, a ton of strikes at, at this age. So, uh, you know, the parents are just doing no favors when they're yelling at the umpire, especially when their kid's in the box because the umpires they don't take too kind to that and they'll just keep calling strikes further and further off the plate. Uh, as sad as that is, that's what they'll do. And, and they'll stick it to the team that is, uh, you know, yelling at them and demeaning them and, and putting them down. So I try to, you know, take control of that and, uh, you know, just have the parents calm down a little bit and have an understanding of, you know, we're just trying to teach, we're trying to learn. And for me, I'm as competitive as anybody. I want to win as many games as I possibly can, but I'm not going to stunt a kid's growth or development and try to win a tournament or hurt their arm uh, because I want to win so bad. I want to take care of the boy and get them and keep them healthy and prepare them for the next level. So as we finish today's episode and the etiquettes of being a baseball parent, when you have a as a pair of parents and they got their, let's say their son, Timmy, and Timmy is uh, 10 years old and, you know, he's played with his friends and recreationally and during school yards and after school, et cetera. And they're like, I want to get him into some sort of organized baseball. I want to see where he can go with this. He really enjoys it. So if a parent wants to begin, where whatever state, let's say in, in, the, in the United States, America, they live in any state, they want to begin. What do you recommend as far as a good process to get them started for their son or daughter in organized baseball? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it really is. Like, I guess the advice that I would give them is to do your research. Don't just go to any given tryout by name or, you know, uh, ones that are recommended. I would say get on, on the computer, do your research, look up every team, look who coaches that team, see what their background is, have they have experience, and then – you know, uh, as tough as this may be for some parents, when you go to the tryout, find the coach and ask him questions. You know, what his philosophy is. Uh, is it all about winning or is it about development? Um, you know, do the kids at 10 years old get equal playing time or is it going to be a substitute situation? Like these are all questions that parents need to be aware of. They need to understand. They need to ask when they're going to try out because, again, when you're at 9, 8, 9, 10, 11, even 12 years old, you're developing boys and you're developing them at a rate that you're trying to teach them and play the long game and not the short game. Like a tournament for one weekend, yeah, you want to win it, but it really doesn't matter. As long as they come out of there and they've learned something, you've already done your job and then you move on to, to the practices. And then I would also ask, ask the parent to ask the coaches, how many practices do you have a week? Uh, is it two? Is it three? Is it one? Because boys, especially now at this uh, ripe young age, they have to do some work on their own. Having two practices a week and three and a half hours with the coach is not going to make your boy a complete baseball player. He has to work and understand uh you know the accountability portion of it on their own and it's a lot to ask of a 12 year old it really is uh you want them to be a kid and you want them to have fun but if the passion for the game for travel baseball recreational baseball is different if you want to play recreational baseball that's fine there's nothing wrong with that if you want one practice a week in one game and just go play the game and see how you are and not put the extra work in but travel baseball has become so much more competitive and uh 
you know, those are the things that parents should understand and, and what they need to do. And do you have recommendations for uh, for a kid and parents that are very serious about it? They hope to play college ball one day and see where they're going to go. At the age of 12, for example, uh, what other activities can they be doing along with baseball do you think would fit in well? Do you advocate playing other sports, weights, yoga? Where do you see as far as the fit for 12-year-olds, for example, as far as what they could be doing as to be well-rounded for baseball? Yeah, I mean, it's a great, great question again. But I, I think multiple sports are uh, a fantastic way. You know, I played hockey growing up. And in the offseason in New York, when I couldn't play baseball, uh, we threw the football around. Or we went to the park and we played basketball on, on the courts uh, down at the park. So anything to help your footwork, you know, any kind of agility work uh, that you can do it. it it's hard because, again, uh, you know, weightlifting at 12 can be kind of tricky because you know boys aren't you know you know the maturation level isn't quite there yet for some some it is a little bit so that's like on a on a personal basis but as you get older into your teens and and start you know seeing where your son or daughter is at and you want to get them into some extracurricular activities with uh you know uh, a place that does great agility work for their feet or you know, weight training or something like that, uh, that's always an option. But uh, for the time being, at age 8, 9, 10, 11, you know, go out and play multiple sports. Go play basketball. Go play football. Just throw a ball off the wall and, and catch it yourself. Like, there's so many things that you can do on your own that you don't need uh, a person there for um, that can help you uh, with hand-eye coordination or help you fielding a ball and, and things like that. Hit off a tee and take 30 swings or 50 swings off a tee in your garage. Uh, all you got to do is put the ball on the tee and, and set up and take a good swing. So uh, that's that's where the game has become. And I just think each individual is, uh, you know, uh, separated in the aspect of what they can and can't do just on, you know, what their physical uh, shape is as as they get into puberty. And whether you're a baseball parent or a future baseball parent, uh, a kid that is interested in baseball, uh, feel free, please leave your comments below. Send your questions for Steve Carsey. Uh, you know, he's happy to respond back and uh, and assist uh, baseball families as he can. And, you know, Steve, my hat's off to you. You know, uh, watching the exciting uh, MLB races this year, especially in that uh, NL Central and uh, – you chose to be with your son and that was, you know, your value and your importance. And so uh, kudos to you as a baseball dad, my friend. I appreciate that. And it's been, uh, you know, nothing but fantastic, you know, coaching him and coaching some of his friends and putting a team together and getting the opportunity to watch, uh, you know, him grow as a young man and, and watch him grow as a young baseball player, which he really loves. So uh, the love for the game has, has kind of, you know, uh, brushed off a little bit into him and he loves talking baseball and he just loves being on the field and, and playing. Um, so, uh, like I said, it's been, uh, it, the decision was the right decision and I just love, uh, being a part of, of, of what he loves. And, uh, this, this season certainly has not hurt. I mean, we started off with an exciting WBC, including an exciting WBC finish. And so many storylines in this 2023 MLB season. So if you if you love the game, this has been a great one. And we're barely at the halfway mark. 
And for next week, Steve, we're going to talk about one of the biggest developing stories in Major League Baseball as it comes along. And we're going to be doing some analysis and figuring out what's going to be happening. We're going to put on our prediction hats. So always a pleasure, my friend. We'll see you back next week on The Chosen Journey. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for the topic. It was uh, fantastic.